Amen. Come on, let's welcome our online audience today. Yeah, we're so glad you're tuning in with us. We're so glad for wherever you're watching around the world. We want you to be at home today and receive the word of the Lord, which is going to produce much fruit in your life. If you're ever in our area, we invite you to stop in, join us. We'd love to have you as our personal guest. We'd love to send you home with some free gifts and just let you know how much we appreciate you. Thank you so much today. We are excited to continue in our series, The Essentials of Christ. We are laying a new foundation. The Bible says we must lay this foundation. Hebrews 6, 1 and 2 is our opening text. Let's jump right to it. It says, therefore, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ, it's time for us to go on to what? Maturity. Let's say that word. Go on to maturity. Let's say it really loud. Maturity. In case you don't know this, God expects you to grow. He expects every one of us to grow in maturity. But before we can ever mature, it says this, we're not laying again the foundation of repentance of dead works. There's a foundation that must be laid. So the first week we talked about the repentance of dead works and faith toward God. Last week we talked about the doctrine of baptism. Notice it says plural, baptisms. There's, there's more than one baptism. Last week we talked about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Today we're talking about the baptism in water. And we're also going to talk about the next one when it says of laying on of hands. The doctrine of laying on of hands. So today we're going to start on those two and really continue to lay the strong foundation. How many know God will not overbuild on your foundation? You must lay a strong foundation. God, why aren't you doing more in my life? Could it be your foundation is not strong enough? You've got to lay the foundation. Why am I not maturing more? Could it be my foundation has not been correctly built? Too many people want to skip the foundation and go right to building the house. I, I want those walls up. We don't get excited when the foundation's poured. It's okay, you know, at least we know it's starting. But we don't really get excited until we see those studs coming up, right? Turn to your neighbor and say, honey, and say, honey, you get excited when you see the studs, right? All right. We get excited when the studs come up and the sheetrock is coming up. And we love that. But we don't get excited about the foundations, but the most important part of the house is the foundation. You Listen, you, we're not building the house to handle the rain. We're building the house to handle the flood. It's going to have a strong foundation in your life. In order to go on to maturity, there must be certain things. The scripture says, he lays it out for us in Hebrews. These are the most important things when it comes to laying a strong foundation. Then we move on to maturity. So this week we're going to move on talking about the laying on of hands and the water baptism. We all need physical touch. God made us to have physical touch. We, we need that. It's a part of who we are. It's in our DNA. We need it. We are designed by God to need to have the need of having personal relationships, even more than personal relationships. God has designed us to have close relationships. But we're finding out that phones and online connections cannot replace personal relationships. We, we have a generation now that we can study who have been raised with phones in their hands. And now these teens are facing an increase in depression, an increase in unhealthy body image, an increase in mental issues, mental health issues. Why? Because 
We were never designed to only have personal relationships going through our phone. We were designed to have personal relationships through human touch and through one-on-one conversations, looking each other in the eye, a hug, a handshake, a greeting. That's the way God made us. Phones cannot replace personal relationships. Now, some of you men today, any single guys in the house say amen? Come on, I'm trying to help you out, guys. Any single guys in the house say amen? All right. Ladies are like, oh, hallelujah. I'll sit in that section next week. All right. Now, some of you guys, especially some of you teenagers, you'll never understand, you'll never understand the fear of cold calling a girl's house. And when they only have one phone, and no one that the dad or mom's gonna answer that phone, and you gotta ask to speak to their daughter. Well, who is this? Uh, yeah. You know, and you just never know. Is she gonna take my call? Is she gonna be like, you know, what is it? So you, you, had to, you had to face this power of rejection. You know, you send the text, and at least they have to read it. But you call. They don't have to take that call. And so, but there's something, you know, I noticed that in this generation, we have a lot of people going out, and you look around in the restaurants and coffee shops, and you'll see a lot of, a lot of young people out having dinner or ice cream, whatever, and they're, all, they're texting each other on their phone. And instead of putting your phone down and looking at that person in the eye and having a real conversation, they want to they text each other going back and forth. Listen, phones are great, but they should never take the place of personal relationships. God designed us to have touch. God designed us to interact personally. He designed the church to act this way as well. Nothing wrong with phones, but it cannot replace what God designed is for us to have interaction with each other. Today, I want to talk to you about some things, and we're going to talk about this doctrine of laying on of hands. I'm going to give you five things where Spiritual things were transferred by the laying on of hands. When we lay hands on people, what is happening? Number one, we see where they laid hands for healing. Laid hands for healing. Luke 440, look what it says. At sunset, the people brought to Jesus all who had various kinds of sickness and laying his hands on each one of them, he healed them. Let me ask you the question. Did Jesus have to lay his hands on them to heal them? No, because we see other times in Scripture where people said, if you will just say the word, my daughter will be healed and she's not here. You just say the word and, and my, 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 my servant will be healed. And so we see where Jesus did that. But for the majority of the time, the biggest majority of the time, Jesus laid hands on the sick and they were healed. Did he do that? Because he had to know he was trying to teach his disciples a pattern that he wanted us to follow. He was trying to paint for his disciples who would paint for us a pattern to follow that we are to lay hands on people and pray for them. And when it comes for praying for the sick, if you can lay hands on them, lay hands on them. If you can't lay hands on them, then a phone call is good. Letting them know or a text is fine. But if you have the ability to lay hands on them, lay hands on them and pray. Be healed in the name of Jesus. That's all you got to do. Not a tough prayer. It's the ABCs, understanding the laying on of hands. I pray right now you receive healing in Jesus' name. We receive blessing through the transfer of laying on of hands. Blessings follow those. Look at this, number two, blessing. Mark 10, 13 through 16. 
Then they brought the little children to Jesus and he might touch them. But the disciples rebuked those who brought them. But when Jesus saw it, he was greatly displeased and said to them, let the little children come to me and do not forbid them. For such is the kingdom of God. He goes, I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as one of these little children will not by no means enter it. And he took them up in his arms. He laid his hands on them and he what? Blessed them. And so we see laying on our hands is a symbol of blessing. If you haven't done that, you need to lay hands on your children ever so often and bless them. Look, look for times of blessing your children. Look for times where you can lay your hands and say, I speak the blessing of the Lord over my children. Beginning of a school year is a good way to do that. Beginning of the school week is a good time to do that. Christmas time, when you're praying together, that's a good time to do that. Sometimes it's just appropriate and you feel God leading you. Lay your hands on your children and bless them. Blessing is transferred through the laying on of hands. Number three, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. In the story in Acts 8, 14, I'm not going to read it, but go back and read it for yourself. And we'll see the same thing over and over again. It says they laid hands on them to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Last week, I preached that message on the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I'm here to tell you we had approximately 80 people come to the front who wanted the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And I simply went by and I said, receive ye the Holy Spirit. Receive ye the Holy Spirit. Receive ye the Holy Spirit. I did that. Why? Because that's the pattern we see in Scripture. There's a transference of the Holy Spirit when we lay hands. So if you're praying for somebody that had the baptism of the Holy Spirit, just put your hand on them and say, receive ye the Holy Spirit. That's all you got to do. Okay. Number four, giftings. We lay hands on those who need giftings. Those who we, we lay hands to call out giftings. First Timothy 4, 14. Do not neglect the gift that is in you which was given to you by prophecy with what? The laying on of hands of eldership. And so many times what happens is we see giftings in people. If you have people who are close to you and you see God working in their life and you see a lot of times God will show somebody who's close to you giftings you have long before you even see it yourself. There's people who will see things in you long before you see it in yourself. And those people are godly people. And let them pray for you and lay hands on you. And you do the same for people. Either people who are under your authority or people you're close to. And you see things. Say, I'm going to pray God's gifts come out of you. I, I see these gifts. So I call out by the laying on of hands. I call out the gifts of God in your spirit. I see God doing more in your life than what you ever see right now. And I want to call those out. We lay our hands on to do that. Number five, we lay our hands to declare authority and to transfer spiritual authority. We'll see this in Acts 6, verses 1 through 6. Disciples could not get to all the things necessary. The early church is happening. It's growing really fast. They're trying to teach what Jesus had already taught them. And there are people coming and saying, all right, you guys are teaching, but what about the widows? And what about the poor? And what about this? And they're like, we can't do everything. There's only 12 of us. Actually, there's only 11 of us at that time. So we got to do something different. And so what happened was they said, all right, you, you, you've been showing faithfulness. And I see leadership in you. And I, I see something more in you. And they, they called a big group of leaders and said, come to the front. And they, they laid their hands on them and said, we're now going to deputize you in the name of the Holy Spirit. And they prayed them to have the authority of God, and then they released him to go out and do the work of the ministry. When I began to take over as pastor of Destiny Church before I ever planted the church, before we ever started the church, I had a group of leadership eldership, 
in the Foursquare denomination. I went and submitted myself to their authority. They ordained me. They prayed over me. And they sent me out with authority by the laying on of hands. When I, I had staff, I laid my hands on the staff. We prayed for them. We said, God, we give them. And they go out. They lay hands on you. And I laid hands on the other leaders in the church. Why? Because it's a transference of authority. It's how we do that. We pray for them. So we pray for God's authority to be transferred. Everybody hold your hand up right here. Hold your hand up. Say, there's something about this. God designed for us to use this. High five, right? Not only high fives. God wants you to use it to transfer something in somebody's life. God wants to use it for you to transfer anointing in people's lives, encouragement in people's lives, calling out giftings in people's lives. He wants you to use it to heal people's lives. He wants you to use it to be an encouragement to people. More than just laying on a hand, sometimes it's using those hands for a handshake. Maybe it's giving somebody a hug who needs it. God wants to use us through the laying on of hands. Do not neglect this doctrine of laying on of hands. It's important that we follow this today. Now, I want you to know something that we must remember that Destiny Church is not a, a corporation, but we are a family. Yeah. Destiny Church is not a, a corporation. We are a family. And that means that we, we touch, we shake hands, we, we hug, we, we greet each other. It's about personal relationships. And so we're not going to neglect it. Now, I know that through COVID, it threw a wrench in all this. I know through COVID, it is stopping. We needed to follow certain protocols and social distance. And, and we had people who couldn't be here. And we had couldn't be here for a long time. So we went online only. And as we opened back up, people had to slowly come back in. We were wearing masks. And we were social distancing. And doing all the things that the county asked us to do. None of us saw us walking through all that. And we had to work our way through that. And then we had online and people watching online who couldn't be here. Listen, online is great. And we had those who didn't, didn't need to be here. They did not really need to be in the building. They were very high, high level risk. So they need to be home watching. They didn't need to be here. But we had others who wanted to be here. And we had it here live. And the people who couldn't, they could watch it online. And people who work, they watch it online. People who travel, they watch it online. But listen, you can never substitute the laying on hands by watching online. You've got to be in the house. God wants you in the house. Don't let COVID be an excuse to keep you out of the house of God forever. Yeah. Now, I know, I know some of you got out of the habit and you're worried, but I understand that some of you have a high health risk and we're not here to pressure anybody who's a high health risk. But let me tell you this. Don't say you're missing church and let me see you at the ball game. Let me see you at the mall. Let me see you at packed out restaurants. That's all I'm saying. If I'm going to take a risk anywhere, I'm going to be in the house of the Lord, all right? God, why? Because God did not design. You'll only grow so far online. You've, and then we got people watching in Florida. We got people watching in Texas. And I just tell you, man, we, I'm glad you're tuning in. I'm glad you're watching online. But go find yourself a home church in your local neighborhood. Find somewhere where you can fit in because God wants to use your physical touch. God wants people to touch you and for you to use your gifts to touch them. God wants you to have the ministry of laying on of hands and letting your hands and feet be used of him. That's how you grow. That's how we are designed to operate. Turn to your neighbor and say, I picked a good Sunday to be at church. All right. All right, let's get right now. Let's talk about the foundation of water baptism, okay? Let's talk about laying the foundation of water baptism. 
He said the laying on of hands and the baptisms. Last week we talked about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. This week we're talking about water baptism. Why? Let's look at Acts 2.37. It talks about water baptism. Now then, when they heard this, what had happened at this point, the day of Pentecost has happened. The Holy Spirit is being poured out. All the people are like, what's going on? There's a big festival going on. People from all over were traveling, so they all came to the city center. Like, what is happening? All these people are now speaking in tongues. It's like the Spirit of God pointed out. Some of them are acting drunk. What, what is going on? And they're like, this is not what you think. The Holy Spirit is being poured out. This is a sign to you. And Peter preaches this amazing first message about who Jesus is. And so look at their response. And when the people heard Peter, they were cut to the heart. And they said to Peter and to the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? What's our response? Well, how do we do this? And then Peter said to them, repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit for the promise is to you, your children, you and your children, I love that, and to all who are far off, as many as the Lord will call. And with many other words, he testified, exhorted them saying, be saved from this perverse generation, and then those who gladly received the word were baptized. Not just a few, look what it says. And on that day, how many? 3,000 people baptized in one, one setting. I was thinking about it. If all, we had 10 disciples out there, one person directing traffic, and 10 people baptizing. That means each one of them baptized about 300 people. I mean, that was amazing, right? What an amazing baptismal service that must have been. But we see something established here, the water baptism is important. Number one, write this down. Water baptism is a sign of the new covenant. A sign of the new covenant. Matthew 28, 18. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore, make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So water baptism becomes a sign of the new covenant. What is the new covenant? The old covenant was this. The old covenant was that we had to bring our sacrifice. We had to bring our best lamb, our first fruits. We would give it up. We had to go through the, the temple. We had to wash a certain way. We had to enter a certain way. We'd give it to the high priest. He would be allowed to go into the holies of holies. He would offer it up for the atonement of our sins. Not the forgiveness, but this, the atonement of our sins. And then we had to do that every season that we were asked to do it. But when Jesus came, he became the perfect lamb, the lamb of God who gave himself as a blood sacrifice on the cross. And all who receive him would now walk in forgiveness of sins. And so when I am water baptized, I'm saying, yo, that's me. I now accept Jesus Christ's forgiveness of my life. I have been washed through the waters of baptism washed through the blood of Jesus. Now I'm coming up redeemed of Jesus, signifying to the world that I belong to him. It's a sign of the new covenant that God made to us, where Jesus gave his life for you and I. It's an important part of every believer's life. Question is, do I have to be water baptized to go to heaven? Technically, we can say the answer is no, because we see in scripture where there's certain examples where people who were not able to be baptized weren't baptized, like, for instance, the thief on the cross. He acknowledges Jesus' lordship on the cross. Jesus says, today you will be in paradise. 
He didn't have time to come off the cross and be water baptized. Is there people who are on their deathbed who accept Jesus and go to heaven? Yes. Is there people who are, are not able to make it to a water baptism before, when they give their heart to God before they die? And there's people that are not, not able to do that. We understand that, and so does God. But the question is, if you have a chance, if you have the opportunity to, to be water baptized and you don't, you are living in disobedience. You are not laying a strong foundation and you'll never grow. I've never seen anybody go on to do anything big for God who was not water baptized. It's the 101 of building a strong foundation. I don't know. I don't like getting in front of people. I don't want to get wet. So you tell me Jesus can give his flesh and blood. He can be beaten for you and I publicly. He can be nailed to a cross and go through everything he did publicly for our forgiveness of sins. And I'm worried about getting wet. Come on now. Come on now. It's about standing up boldly. It's a personal relationship. Yes, your decision to follow Christ is personal. But you go with water baptism to make that personal decision public. Yes, I belong to him. Yes, I belong to Jesus. My sins have been washed away. And now I'm walking in a new covenant, which makes me righteous before God. It's an awesome thing. So we, we become obedient. If you are not being obedient to Christ... You're operating in disobedience. And if we're honest, we're operating in rebellion. If I can't obey the first commands of Jesus, I might as well give the rest of it up. It was the first command he gave us, the first thing and the last thing he told us before he left. Go, baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Go, make disciples. Go, make disciples, baptizing them. If I skip the very important thing of being obedient to water baptism, I will never be able to build anything strong in my life. The problem is this. Can I just be honest with you? The problem is American Christianity, it's a problem creeping into the church, into American Christianity. We have let people come to Christ at the level of their convenience instead at the level of commitment. It should cost you something. And I don't think it's a very high price to say, I'm going to get wet for Jesus, man. I'm going out there. I'm going to get in front of people. I'm going to allow myself to be dunked under and come back up in water baptism and say, I belong to Jesus. I am not ashamed of the gospel. I belong to him. It's about being obedient. There's something that happens in our spirit when we become obedient. Listen, I don't want to make converts. I want to make disciples. How about you? I don't want to be a convert. Converts accept Jesus, but don't follow him. Disciples accept Jesus and begin to obey the commands he's given you. I want to be a disciple. I want you to be a disciple of Jesus. And that starts with the very first obedience of being water baptized. And number two, water baptism empowers us to know and to serve Christ. Water baptism empowers us to know and to serve Christ. Obedience to Jesus' commands to be water baptized allows my heart to change. Me submitting to his authority and being obedient to what he did, this allows my heart to begin to follow the rest of what he's asked me to do. A person who won't allow themselves to be water baptized will always remain a spiritual infant. And the problem is this, if our kids are made infants and they're social and they're mental 
we would be very panicked, wouldn't we? We go to counselors, we go to doctors. Why aren't they growing? Why aren't they maturing? Something's wrong. The light goes off. We get help. Let's help our kids grow. They should be growing. They're not growing. There's something wrong. But spiritually, many of us have been stuck as a spiritual infant for way too long, okay? It's time for us to move on to maturity. The first layer of foundation is through water baptism. Look at Romans 6, 3, and 4. It says, or have you forgotten that when we were baptized, we were joined with Christ through Jesus in baptism. We joined him in his death, for we died and were buried with Christ by baptism, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father. Now we also may live new lives. We're joined in water baptism and the death, burial, and the resurrection of Jesus in water baptism. You know that thing on Easter that gives you goosebumps? They sing songs about Jesus being alive, about the stone rolling away. The fog machine comes on, and someone's back there rolling that stone away. And we're like, "Ooh!" You feel those, we call them the Holy Ghost goosebumps. That same power is alive in you today at water baptism. And whatever needs to be rolled out of your life, whatever needs to be resurrected out of your life, God has the power to do that. And we identify, we connect with it through water baptism. It allows us to know boldly we can come to Jesus. And number three, water baptism gives us confidence in our relationship with Christ. Am I really saved? Am I not saved? The enemy will eat at your mind. Did you really, did you really mean what you said? So water baptism leaves no doubt. It just makes it very clear. I am publicly stating I have decided to follow Jesus. And it allows you to have that confidence that I belong to him. I've made a public decision. I let everybody know, my friends know, my family know, my church family know that I belong to Jesus. It's a picture of grace that God, that our sins have been washed away. Now, today, let me close with answering a few common questions I get about water baptism. Number one, I get questions, should my babies be water baptized? And let me say you that water baptism is an individual choice. Nobody can make that choice for you. So that would also mean that a person needs to be at the age when they can make that choice for themselves. Well, what if, what if my parents baptized me as a baby? Well, I, I'm not, listen, there's nothing wrong. You're not messed up. Don't be texting your mom, Mom, why'd you mess me up? You baptized me. Pastor Gene said there was nowhere in the Bible where any babies were baptized. You baptized me as a baby. No wonder I'm all messed up. No, don't do that to your mom. Okay, don't. She meant well. But I will just tell you that, that that was more for them than it was for you. Okay? That's why we do baby dedications here, Destin. We believe as parents we bring our children to the Lord saying we're going to commit to raising them up to whatever God wills for their life. So we do baby dedications, but we baptize them once they're at the age of understanding right from wrong, and they understand that I want to live for Jesus. Now, that's for different people, different kids, different ages. And as a parent, you know when that is. You have an understanding when they are just wanting to do it because maybe their friend's doing it versus when God's really dealing with their heart. You'll sense that, and you'll know when his time is right, and you start talking to them more about what that means, okay? And so I believe, number two, I, get, I got baptized as a kid, Pastor. Should I, should I be baptized as an adult? And the question I just had to simply ask you, did you have a full understanding when you were baptized? If you got baptized as a kid, did you really understand what that meant? For me, personally, I, I did. 
I got baptized as a young child because everybody in my church was doing it, so I got baptized too. It looked like it was going to be fun, so I wanted to jump in the hot tub and go too. You know, I was ready. And, uh, but as I got older, and I really as an adult, young adult, decided, you know what, I'm going to give my life to Jesus in a whole different way. I understood what that meant, and I understood what water baptism meant. And so as a young adult, I said, no, i, I got to do this again because I, I have an understanding of what it means now. I, I belong to Jesus. I understand what it really means about washing away my sins, and I made a decision to do that as an adult. So the question is this. That if you didn't have an understanding, a full understanding as a kid, and you were baptized, and now that you do, as an adult you do, there's nothing wrong with coming forward. Can my, can my family be baptized with me? Yes, you fam- we baptized couples. We baptized families before. We baptized half the family now. We've had parents, like, next time we baptize, kids got a little older, they come back and baptize their kids. It's an awesome experience. We, we love baptizing you. We love baptizing your family. We would love to baptize you today. Do you fully understand? So in conclusion today, let me, let me give you two things. Number one, you're going to see the QR code pop up for water baptism. If you have not been water baptized or God's speaking to you to say, yeah, as an adult pastor, I need to be water baptized. Either way, we're going to do this on two Sundays. We're going to baptize in the first and second service. It's always a big deal at Destiny. We, we're going to celebrate you. We're going, to, we're going to clap for you. We're going to cheer for you. We're going to cry with you. It's going to be an awesome day as people go public with their faith. And so if you want to sign up and you haven't done it yet, I want you to hit these QR codes with your phone. Just open your phone up, hold it right there, and it'll take you right to the link where you can sign up and say, yes, I want to get registered to baptize, get water baptized in two weeks. It's going to be an awesome, awesome day, and I can't wait to have the privilege of baptizing you. I love it. I can tell you there's nothing else I love doing more as a pastor than baptizing people. It's going to be an awesome day. Let me also remind you that we need to not neglect Laying on of hands. Don't, don't, don't neglect the doctrine of laying on of hands. It's important. Let me make some important conclusions about this. Number one, I'm going to give you some insight today. Listen to me. Pastor Gene is not the only one who can pray for you. This room is full of people who can pray for you. And their prayers are just as powerful or more powerful than any prayer I will pray for you. God has gifted people in this room to pray over you and with you and for you. Every one of us. It's, it's just the, he said, this is the laying on of hands. It's the elementary. This is not some high calling for just the pastors. No, he says it's elementary for every believer. And every, the laying on of hands. So what I want you to do is to begin to pray. God, don't let me neglect that. For some of you, that means maybe there's somebody here and you God leads you during the service to go over and say, hey, man, can I just pray with you? I know you already have a relationship with them. Maybe you know they're going through something. And maybe you just lay your hand on their shoulder and just pray a prayer, a blessing over them or healing or encouragement. I encourage you to do that. Yes, because we pray one for another. For other people, maybe maybe it's going to be something even a little bit more challenging. Maybe somebody this week, you're going to be at work and one of your friends at work or maybe at a break time are going to be saying, man, I'm not feeling good or I've got this report from the doctor and it's not good I'm going to just allow I want to just say with today open up your heart to the Holy Spirit and if the Holy Spirit prompts you I want you to do this to say is it okay if I just pray for you I'm not going to do anything weird I promise you but I just want to, I want to pray for you most times they'll say yeah sure I, I want, if someone's in need they're going to want prayer 
and just grab their hand and just, just pray the name of Jesus over that situation. It doesn't have to be anything, anything big dramatic prayer. Just simply say, in the name of Jesus, I pray God's healing over your life in Jesus' name. I pray that God would comfort you in Jesus' name. I pray that God would bring the, the answer to your problem in Jesus' name. Very, very simple to do. But that act of obedience, of not neglecting the laying on of hands, could be the miracle that somebody needs at your workplace this week. How about I challenge you to go even a step further? This is only for those who are really, really spiritually brave, okay? How about if you're in public and you're shopping for groceries and you see somebody in your aisle and God says, hey, I, I want you, I want this person needs prayer. And you don't even know them. I know what's crazy. But what if you went to him and said, hey, it's, I'm not trying to sound weird, but can I just ask you this? Is there anything I could pray with you about? And maybe they say no. If they say no, that's fine. God bless you. They say, well, by the way, yeah, I, I have been needing prayer for this in my life. They simply say, is it all right if I just pray with you about that? And just pray right there. Don't make it. Don't draw any attention to yourself. You're not making it a big deal. Just simply just put a hand of comfort. Don't neglect the laying on of hands. God will lead you. I'm telling you. There's people in this house that do this every day, and God leads them, and they're seeing miracles every day. They're seeing God move in people's hearts every day because they're simply just allowing the laying on of hands. Some of you, you just need to come and just be a greeter. You need to be shaking people's hands and smiling at the door. You need to sign up to be a greeter so you can extend a hand of friendship with those walking in for the first time. But all of us have the gifting of laying on of hands. Don't neglect it. It's the foundation Water baptism's foundation, so is the laying on of hands. Can I invite you to stand on your feet today? Across the room, how many say, Pastor, man, I, I am, I'm, I'm, say I'm learning something so much through this series. Anybody teaching you through this series? Raise your hand if God's speaking to you through this series. Yeah, okay. We're laying a strong foundation, right? We're laying a foundation today. I, I can't wait to continue this series. We're going to get into some more next week. We're going to get right into the next steps of laying this foundation.